You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free guide on five ways to better serve students with exceptional needs. Head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash exceptional learners to grab your free PDF today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That Music Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have my guest, Kate Shannon, who is a board-certified music therapist. We originally had a date to get together and talk back when we used to do the midweek check-ins live on Instagram and Facebook. But when I really started thinking about it, I knew that the information that Kate was going to be able to share with us was something that was just too valuable to disappear within 24 hours. So that's why she's going to be one of the first guests on That Music Podcast. So Kate, I would love for you to say hello. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for my audience to get to talk to you. I'm personally like fangirling over here. I love music therapy (laughs) and I've loved your podcast and what you post on Instagram and things like that. So I can't wait to kind of pick your brain a little bit and to see where we go. Awesome. So will you, um, before we get started, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? So where did you get, how did you get started with music therapy and where are you located? Like what types of clients do you work with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am currently based in Denver, Colorado. I've been out here about uh, two and a half years. And I actually, I'm from upstate New York, and that's where I received my training. I went to Nazareth College of Rochester. That's where I got my master's. And my master's is in, it's a master of science in creative arts therapy, and I have a specialization in music therapy. Um, our program was very mental health focused, and that's something that I do take into um, consideration with my practice a lot is incorporating mental health um, when working with children with developmental differences and children who have life-limiting illnesses. So um, I received my training there, moved out here, and most of my caseload and m- my specialization has been working with children uh, who have developmental differences. I've worked primarily with children who are on the autism spectrum and then a, a variety of other developmental differences as well. And I also work with children who uh, have different types of illnesses such as cancer, muscular dystrophy, um, and may have a life-limiting diagnosis due to that illness. Well, that is such an impressive kind of story so far. I can't believe you ended all the way up in in Colorado. I know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Crazy (laughs) move. (laughs) Amazing where life takes you. So other than music therapy, what's something that brings you joy um, in your life and something you're passionate about? Totally. Um, I, I'm passionate about just being creative in general. Um, so I'm sitting here and right before we started the podcast, I was like knitting away because I'm knitting <laughs> I gifts. I love for, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm knitting gifts for uh, the holidays and I left my brothers until the very last minute. And my brother is a really big um, role play gamer, which I also enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. And so I decided to knit him his inventory. So I'm making like all <laughs> these little awesome. miniature... I'm currently working on a mini Game Boy. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very nerdy, but very fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, Kate, what, what is music therapy? And to you, why is it important? Oh, that's such a, such a good question. Um, 
Music therapy is, you'll often hear it described as uh, the use of music to reach non-musical goals. Um, And these goals can be, uh, they could be mental health goals, cognitive development, emotional processing, um, memory. uh, And music therapists work with everyone from, you know, prenatal care, babies, all the way up to uh, in Alzheimer's units with patients who have Alzheimer's. So it's... um, Uh, What we're really doing, one of the easiest ways I always uh, try to explain it is it's like the difference between physical therapy and phys ed in that. I love that. um, Yeah. And it's that way just seems so uh, it's just easier to grasp in that, like, you know, in phys ed, you're learning all these different things. You're kind of figuring out all these different, you know, ways of using your body and learning all these different things. physical things. But in physical therapy, you're working towards a goal through physical movement. And that's really all music is, is where I sometimes just like to joke that we're master manipulators. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, we're just playing the paddle drums. But really, I'm getting you to, you know, cross midline 10 times in under a minute. So <laughs> it's, you know, working on many, many different skills, depending on the needs of the client uh, to promote health, to promote wellness and to promote some type of growth. That is amazing. I love that comparison with phys ed and physical therapy because I, I've, again, always heard it as, you know, working towards a non-musical goal through music. And I think mm-hmm. even that is still confusing. <laughs> so it I really love is. being able yes. to look through that lens. It's not as concrete. And that's what I re- think I really like about that yeah. uh, comparison is it's like, oh, I can see the difference of those two things. Yeah, I love that. So you told us a little bit, but how did you end up as as a music music therapist? What was kind of your your story that got you here? (laughs) Um, It's a long and winding road. Um, But (laughs) I didn't, I actually went a backwards way. Many people go like right to their bachelor's and get their bachelor's in music therapy. I did not do that. I went, um, I had went and got a bachelor's in music, a general music degree. And I also got a bachelor's in anthropology. Um, So two different kind of things, but I really loved ethnomusicology and studying music of other cultures and how other cultures, oh, it's like, it's still a huge passion of mine, how other cultures use music and how it's integrated. And I just love it. But once I graduated, I spent some time working um, in in different kind of like social service sectors. I worked, I did Rochester and I was in Rochester, New York, and I did um, uh, AmeriCorps for a year that was like, oh, just like changed my life serving like that. And so I kind of was like, okay, what do I want to go back to school for? I know I want to go back. And so I went and I observed uh, actually music educators. And then I also observed music therapists. And I had heard of music therapy, but I was like, "Ah, I don't really know if it's my thing. And I went and observed with this wonderful, wonderful woman who just, she completely changed my life. And she worked at um, an ARC, an ARC for adults with development developmental differences. And the first session that I saw her do, I was like, what? This is a job? (laughs) Yes. I I was, yeah. And I was just so beside myself with how creative you get to be with creating interventions. Um, I've always loved working with uh, special learners and working with uh, children, adults with developmental differences. So I just like, I was like, okay, I'm sold. And I went back to school and have not looked back since. (laughs) That is an awesome story. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I I think that 
I don't know, my, my um, experience with special learners kind of came after undergrad as well. You know, my first year out of college, I was working as an, as an instructional aide or, um, in a lot of these long-term positions. Um, I was in an autism classroom, a couple other special ed classrooms, and it really made me understand what my role as a music, music educator was. So I can't, I can only imagine mm-hmm. being able to see, um, see these music therapists at work and seeing just how magical and important that work can be. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think, like you said, with the why is it important? It's um, even special learners or non special learners, like there is some people just have that music in them. And, you know, being able to help and like harness and make that come out and and see growth from it. And if it's, you know, making I feel like a big thing is social connections, especially with um, children who have maybe higher needs, uh, that seeing big things happen through the vehicle of music is just I mean, I, I love it because I don't have to sell it to you or to, you know, yeah. the people listening is like, you guys are on board with it. But like, it's it's the most amazing experience. It's really, it's incredibly humbling and just amazing. Uh, that is amazing. Um, so when it, when it comes to music education and music therapy, what intersections, if any, do you see between the two fields? So many. Um, I think there's so many opportunities, although I, I think we spend a lot of time um, you know, talking about like the differences and like to the general public in that advocacy, those advocacy yeah. moments. But in the nitty gritty of like the daily work, there is so often where there's just this beautiful, I always think of a Venn diagram. And there's this really cool place in the middle between music therapy and music education that's just full of awesome stuff. Um, I used to uh, when I was based in New York, I did a lot of IEP-based uh, music therapy. And a lot of times it required me to uh, consult with or support the student while they were in a general music class, um, if they were starting band, many di- choir, many different ways um, of kind of finding a way to touch base with the teacher. Um, So a lot of times I was consulting with the teacher if they needed support for the student's particular needs. And really that just meant that the teacher was kind of accessing the information that I had about the student and their particular needs. Um, So an example that comes to mind is I I worked with a student who was on the autism spectrum and had um, really, really particular sensory Uh, preferences. And there were certain things sensory wise that just would kind of trigger him into a meltdown or, you know, whatever kind of thing it was. And one of those things was um, having his mouth, he was very orally sensitive. So, you know, any like recorder, (laughs) uh, any, anything, it was like, you know, just instant like shut down. And this hadn't hadn't had the student before so and but he wanted to join band so we touched base and met and we're like okay here's what I know from a sensory perspective um, I also know that these particular sounds can sometimes be agitating to him uh, maybe you know he requires his headphones his noise canceling headphones for the first couple times so just kind of like being a support for music educators but I've also had that had it happen on the other end where I consult with music educators because I'll have students who 
maybe are doing like adapted lessons where they want to learn an instrument, although they require a very specialized environment to do so. And so there'll be times where I'm getting to the point where I'm like, wow, I think I need, I'm, you know, this client is, you know, I mean, piano skills are insane and I, they're moving way beyond where I can go. I need to consult with a music educator to see what this trajectory should look like and when I should pass them off to a music educator. I love the amount of collaboration that you just talked about. Yeah. I, mean, I think in an ideal <laughs> world, we all understand that we would constantly be talking to each other. Um, but I think part of that comes down to you know the reality of music education, but also the reality of how relatively new music therapy is as a field. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it, it's just I did some grad school research on students with autism in the music classroom. And a lot of the research that was there was from a musical music therapy aspect, but at the same time, there's a lot of gaps in there. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the research and how the anecdotal evidence kind of grows as we get into this new wave of kind of like a holistic inclusive education. Yeah. And that is like, I mean, it is hammered in and I'm a big fan of research. I'm currently doing research projects. I love, I love it. And, you know, it can drive you crazy at the same time, but (laughs) it's so necessary, especially, you know, like you're saying for our field is, you know, we are, you know, new and we don't have enough research out there to fully support. Like we know that what we're doing is working and is helpful, but that research piece really has to get in there. And it is so, you know, then there's the thing of like, uh, you know, therapist style and how do you measure that quantitatively and all these different elements that go into doing research. But, you know, it still needs to be there in some way or another. Like, it's like, well, we have to figure out a way to do it because it's got to be there to support us for sure. Oh, definitely. And one thing that kind of kept popping into my head is um, from a music education standpoint, a lot of times we either know that we don't have the answer or we have an idea of what might work. And a lot of times we just have to get it approved. (laughs) So I think a lot of times having that research back um, is is great for administrators and people that work trying to kind of advocate for these students and kind of back up what what we're saying with research, which I think can be really great. Yes. And we face that all the time um, in starting programs. Like one of, you know, a big thing as music therapists is like a lot of times we're going into a school, a nursing home, um, a medical setting that has maybe heard of music therapy, but they're like, why should we do this? Like, why does this need to be done? You know, not only why it is important, but why is this cost effective? What kind of things are going to come from this? And pulling on that research is such a big part of that, of getting that buy-in from not just people who want to see the progress, but the administrators and the kind of higher ups want to see more than just the beautiful qualitative stories that you can tell. (laughs) Definitely. And I think kind of going back a little bit to the collaboration, um, music ed especially, there's so much that kind of gets shoved into a four-year degree that a lot of times, unfortunately, a lot of the special learner and stuff kind of gets pushed to either student teaching or just kind of figuring out in the real world. So I love the idea of, you know, trying to collaborate with music therapists and music educators together to kind of fill in the gaps where we have Mm -hmm. um, within our own field. Absolutely. And I always thought about that. Like once I started working in schools and experiencing music ed from a like staff point of view, you know, I mean, I obviously experienced that as a student, but um, 
there is so much that you guys have to learn and are doing <laughs> like in a moment, you know, to then like I, I, you know, like working with a one-on-one with a child who's a special learner, it takes so much just one-on-one. I can't imagine sometimes having like a larger group and, you know, a, a trying to adapt everything and to have all of that experience is just, it really is impossible to do in a four-year degree. It's, it's so much. Yeah, one of my um, my research projects from this past year at grad school is actually trying to, again, with students with autism, trying to figure out what is the musically least restrictive environment for them and kind of the case for and against social mainstreaming um, from the aspect of musical goals. And it's really interesting to see the research and how oftentimes students are mainstream for social reasons, which, again, are incredibly important, but then it's those musical goals sometimes get lost and it kind of brings up the argument of what is the appropriate environment for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that you're so right that there's that um, there's the social piece, which is incredibly important, but then there's, and to me, this also goes in, which I start thinking about, there's the musical piece where sometimes those musical goals are lost. And then that's a quality of life factor that can be lost from there, which is a huge, you know, like the mental wellness of children with special learners is a very important thing, just like the, you know, all children's mental wellness and, you know, mental health. Um, So having, you know, what those opportunities can look like in the most successful way is just such an important topic. It's awesome that you're doing your research on that. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And I I fully I'm going to fully dive into it over this summer um, for one of my other research classes. But I really I kind of just touch the iceberg of the tip of the iceberg of of what the research says. I can't wait to kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Yeah, that's great. So, Kate, what do you have? What advice do you have for music educators that work with these type these students that have these learning differences, and how do we best serve them? Sure. Oh my goodness. Um, I think the first thing would be if you know a. Uh, if you know a music therapist or if you, you know, we have the AMTA website, it's musictherapy.org where you can find them in your area um, or online. I have, you know, I offer services. I consult with music, music educators and other educators all the time. Um, reach out to somebody. There is a community of people that have the knowledge that you're looking for. Um, and don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel because somebody else is already doing it. You know, as music therapists, we're specializing in those, um, how to use music for um, special learners and what that can look like. And just we're full of ideas because this is it's what we're doing day in and day out. Um, but besides that, I would say to... Um, there's so many good, there's a lot of really good books. And um, there's this one called Music in Special Education. I'm pretty sure it's not Music Therapy in Special Education. Um, I will send it to you too. So you yes, can I will definitely put, put those in the notes. show notes. Yes. Yeah. It's a really, really great one because it goes through um, all different types of needs. So I think it starts off with visual impairment and then hearing impairment and then ADHD. And it goes through all these different diagnoses and these different case examples of how you can adapt a classroom, a lesson, uh, you know, all these different 
settings for special learners. And that book, I feel like just like that was like my Bible for like years of like, oh, I got to go back to this book. And of course, I can't remember the author. Um, But that book is really, really helpful. There's another book. um, It is early childhood music therapy and autism spectrum disorders and that one is it's by it's edited by petra kern and marcia humple who are music therapists but it's really really great information if you have young if you're young learners um maybe you know seven or eight and under so those i think are really great resources um And I think, like, in general, like, advice, I I think you really made the point earlier in that you can't know all of this stuff from just your education. Like, it has to come from, you know, if it's reaching out to somebody else or doing, you know, additional, um, we call them CMTEs for music therapists, you know, your additional trainings or getting some, some type of additional support for that because... I I the same thing happens with us is like, you know, I'm always looking for additional stuff because I'm like, I just don't know. And I need to go figure (laughs) it out. Um, But like, I think relying on your community in that, you know, we're out there. It's just, you know, finding a way to connect for sure. Those are some great. I can't wait to check those books out. Oh, so good. They're <laughs> so the, good. <laughs> one book that I actually um, read over the summer, which was, it started from research and then it was just because because I'm a dork and I wanted to read it. But um, <laughs> yes. it's, it's um, by Sheila Scott. It's Music Education for Children with Autism Spectrum Disorder. And it's really, it's a really useful resource. It's, it, it's, it's kind of research-based, but it's not like 100% research. Like there's a lot of p- practical things that you can use in your classroom. Um, and that's one, again, that I, I go back to all the time, um, especially with, yeah. with working with my kiddos um, on the autism spectrum. That's awesome. I have not heard of that, but I'm going to click on that in the show notes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is great. Yes, yes. Um, so we touched on this a little bit, but what do you think that people get wrong about music therapy? Oh. So much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many jokes are coming to my mind right now. We always, there's somebody on Instagram does this really great meme Monday and they'll put out a meme and music therapists always send in like, you know, different different captions for it. Um, one of the biggest ones, and I think this just comes with advocacy, is like so many times you'll get called the guitar person, I'm you, the guitar lady. Uh, you will, the entertainer, um, <laughs> uh, the uh, music lesson person. I can't tell you how often it's like, oh, you're, it's time for your music lesson. I'm like, oh no, no, it's, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> we're not, we're not working towards that. You know, we're working towards these other things. Um, so I think the biggest thing is that we do still get clumped in to music education and uh, that that big piece is still advocating of what we really do and what it looks like. And I actually, I feel like I've talked about this. It's happened on my podcast so many times. And this is with all creative arts therapies too, is that you almost don't get it until you see it. Like even I didn't get that until when, you know, I went before I, I've heard about music therapy and I knew what it was, but I went and saw it and was like, whoa, this is what you're doing. And these these are the goals that you're working on. And um, it's one of those things that's really hard to explain. It's not in the, it's not in mainstream and in pop culture as much as some other things. So really the biggest thing is what music therapy is and what it's doing and why it's not just 
you know, and I don't want to say just somebody like singing in a nursing home because that's beautiful work. Yeah. Um, but we're doing, you know, all of these other things in addition to that. It's music plus therapy. Yeah, I think I feel like at least I hope that we can all agree that music can have therapeutic things or aspects. Yes. To it, but there's yes. a difference between, you know, having music as therapy and having this highly skilled person that knows what they're doing and knows how to take the um, the process of making music and to work towards these other aspects of uh holistic health, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And that's the thing, too. It's like everybody can use music. The more people that are using it, the better. You know, like I I think we all want that. You know, we all want music to be more um, supported in, I think, just generally as a culture, you know, like to have that more integrated and not it serves a purpose beyond just listening to music and how much it can make us feel good. And you can make playlists and, you know, so many different things that ends up being therapeutic, but that it's just that deeper level of therapy, you know, versus something being therapeutic. Yeah. And, there, and it also like the, the application of taking all that knowledge and how the brain works and how music affects the brain and yes. to be able to put that into a different um, kind of set of circumstances to have the optimal result for your clients. Yes. And, you know, I think another big one, too, is like how music affects the relationship um, when you're working with many, I think, with children in general. Um, music can just have this. And I think you probably know this, too, but like music can just create this beautiful relationship without you doing much work. <laughs> you know, like as a person, it's <laughs> yeah. like you get this like, oh, yeah, this is great, you know, and how it can um it's just really powerful that that therapeutic, you know, musical relationship, what can happen in those places when you're kind of in the space of music. I think that is a great way to put that. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Kate, Kate, where can we find some more information on music therapy and more specifically how music therapy can help music educators? Definitely. Um, one, the AMTA website that I mentioned earlier, which is musictherapy.org, is a really, really great place to not only learn about music therapy, but they have, um, I will also send this to you for a link. It is, uh, I think they're called fact sheets. And it's a really great place to go to. And it'll be like um, music therapy with Alzheimer's patients, music therapy with early within early childhood, music therapy with children on the autism spectrum. And it's like a two to three page fact sheet that will have uh, usually it has like five to seven research studies. It'll have like quick facts about, you know, that particular population and music therapy and how it supports them. Um, so that website is always really, really great for information on that. Um, I would say to other great places, uh, there is um, music therapy ed dot, I think it's dot org. Um, Kat Fulton runs that and she's a music therapist. And it's a place for music therapists to get their CMTEs, but it has a ton of trainings. And I think they're usually like maybe like 70 bucks for like three credit hours. Oh, wow. And yeah, they're re and it's all online. So it's really easy. Um, but there's usually a lot of different intersections of how uh, of music therapy and different particular settings. Stephanie Level has one on there for her um, early childhood. Um, do you know Stephanie Level? I think I do. 
She does music for kiddos. Okay, That's her. Yes, yes. yes, I love her. Um, so she has a ton. She has a training on there that's like particularly um, music therapy for early childhood settings. But those are it again is like that Venn diagram of where I think music educators could also get so much from something like that as much as music therapists could get from it because it's it's really cool space in between. Um. But um, and then I think that book is probably one of my all time favorites for a book reference for the intersection of music therapy and music education. Oh, I cannot wait to check out these resources. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to check them out like sooner rather than later. <laughs> oh, definitely. And Stephanie's website, Music for Kiddos, is great, too. She has tons of great music on there. It's amazing music for i think it's musicforkiddos.com but she's on instagram too she's always she's like she'll like throw up songs like at uh, you know on the instagram stories and just like have all these really cool ways that you know you can use them within a group setting which is always awesome i think i've done many many group settings for children with special learners and that can be such an intense and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> scary scary place <laughs> so like having some tried and true things you know that somebody's tried and they were and you know it, again it's like that not reinventing the wheel kind of leaning on your on your community support system all right kate i have absolutely adored this conversation it's been way too long coming and i've i've i've, I've learned so much but i also have like a thousand more questions so i'm sure i'll message you more <laughs> as we go on i absolutely i love talking to people about this so any i just yeah feel free and ask me the questions i love it so where can we find more of you Yes. Um, I'm on Instagram. Creative Therapy Umbrella is my handle there. And um, I also have a podcast, Creative Therapy Umbrella, the podcast uh, that comes out every Thursday morning. And I interview different creative arts therapists, um, art, music, dance, drama, uh, poetry coming up soon. I'm really excited Ooh, about I'm that. Excited that I know. Me too. Um, so I do that. And then I also have my website, which is creativetherapyumbrella.com. And uh, that it also has resources. And actually, my newsletter might be a good place too for additional resources because I send out an intervention each month. And usually it is for um, children. It could be easily adapted for a classroom. And even though the goal is not a musical goal, uh, it could be easily adapted to make it a musical goal and just kind of focusing through another avenue. Um, so, yeah, those are some great places to get a hold of me. Oh, I will definitely link all of those in the show notes. Um, and I will also put um, a link to grab um, five ways to best serve our students with exceptional learners or, ex or exceptional needs. Um, I'll put a link to grab that little freebie in the, in the show notes as well. So I hope they check that out. Um, yeah. So again, Kate, thank you so much. I have absolutely adored this conversation. I appreciate you taking time out of your week um, at this busy time of year. So thank you again so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.